Um, my name is Eddie. I am one of the pastors here on staff. I'm so glad to be with you. Over the past few weeks, as was mentioned, we've been going through a series where we've been talking about the power that God has for us in the person of Jesus Christ. We've talked about uh, the power that God gives us to change, right? To be transformed, to go from one uh, type of person into uh, someone who reflects the character of Christ in a greater degree. We've talked about uh, the power to heal, right? Th- that God really desires not only that our spirits be healed, but that we be physically healed, either here or uh, in, the, in the next portion of our life. And so we, we looked at that. We've also looked at the power to be reconciled. And so we've, we've talked about all of these different things, and, and the reality is God has empowered us by the Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ to do so many things, to live in, in a in an empowered life, and, and so tonight, we're going to talk about love, and I'm so excited because there were so many songs where we were talking about receiving the love of God, believing the power that God has for us in that love, and so I want us to consider that together. We're going to consider how God has given us love so that we might love others radically, sacrificially, and fearlessly. So open your Bibles, or open your Bible app, or you know, your whatever chip in your brain, to uh, 1 John chapter 4. If you have a chip, I'd like to know. Both because it's interesting and it may be. Anyways. Um, 1 John 4, 16 through 21. I'll read and you can read along. I'm reading for the, from the ESV. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, by this is love perfected with us so that we might have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he First loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Father God, love is. It's such an expansive topic. It's, it's something that can, there are songs written about how it can be uh, the topic that is written about for generations and generations and generations, and yet we would never exhaust the depths of, of the love that you have for us. And yet, at the same time, it's something that we deeply need to think about and, and we hunger for. Lord, you've made us to love and to be loved. So Holy Spirit, tonight I come, I, I ask you to come and pour out your love. Give us a greater experience of your presence. Give us a greater understanding of your love. Lord, as we consider the person and work of Jesus Christ, I pray that it wouldn't be something that's far off, but you would draw it near, that, that by your spirit, that reality of, of God, your love expressed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ would be poured out in such a way that it might break our hearts and it might empower us to live a life of love. Help us, Lord, to, to live in the same radically sacrificial and fearless way that you did in exemplifying love in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, 
I love stories. I grew up reading a lot of books. I was, I was a bit of a bookworm. And I also watched a lot of TV and, and all the classics like uh, uh, Three Ninjas and uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it, it, that, I was obsessed. That was a joke. They're not classics, but to me, they're classics. Um, and like the good Ninja Turtles, whatever it's become now, I can't vouch for. But when I was growing up, it was amazing. I mean, I grew up in the height of martial arts uh, fervor. You, everyone wanted to be the Karate Kid or Kung Fu Ninja. I mean, it was, it was awesome being a kid. You'd punch and kick and do crazy things, and, and I was obsessed. I wanted to be a ninja. And, and uh, embarrassingly enough, I remember laying in my bed at night and pretending I was a ninja. So I would imagine all the stuff that I had. And for whatever reason, I had so much gear. I mean, if you were to actually put this on a person, they would not be able to move. But I was able to move because it was my imagination. I can do what I want in my imagination. I had like grappling hooks. I had uh, swords. I had all the throwing knives. Throwing knives on my throwing knives on my th- I don't know why I was obsessed, but I had them everywhere. And I was, I was, I was captivated by this story. And, and the reality is, is stories, they're meant to captivate us. They're meant to create a reality around us. And, and when we look at 1 John, you might not imagine necessarily initially that it's a story, but I want to, for us to think for a moment about, about the story that John is inviting us into, the story of God's love for us and the story of God's love for us to express to others. So look at me at verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, right? That phrase, the love that God has for us, it's, it's shorthand for the various references he made early in the chapter. Now, if we had read the whole thing, um, we would see that in verses 9 and 10, Jesus, or John tells us that this. He says, in this, the love of God was made manifest, or it was shown, it was expressed, it was illustrated among us, that God sent his only son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, you know, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard these texts maybe once or twice, and and you might say, yes, I understand God loves us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. Check, I get it. But um, I want you to stop for a minute and and realize that, that John is trying to draw us into a story. He's trying to not just say, yeah, Jesus did this thing one time and we're going to remember it, but he's trying to draw us into that narrative, right? His life was oriented around his witness. And his witness was just retelling what Christ had done, inviting people into the story of this is what Jesus did, his life, his death, and his resurrection. So he's, invi- he's not just saying those are facts off there, uh, off there in the distance. He's saying this is something I want you to think about, uh, engage with, enter into, right? And this story is the story of redemption, and it's a story that goes back to Genesis and even before Genesis, right? So let's go to Genesis. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to go to Genesis. But, um, but we do see in Genesis that God creates everything. He creates it good. It's very good. He creates man. Man realizes that you know, he's, it's not good for him to be alone, so he creates man and, and woman. And it's awesome until they sin. And, and you've heard this, but they sin and, and they fall. And the rest of history 
is a record of God's working this redemptive story to the point of Jesus Christ, right? And so all of history is God's story where he's working out his plan to redeem his people. Now, this is the story that John is reminding you and me of. And in this story, God lives in perfect community. He says uh, in, in verse 16, God is love, right? I mean, and, and John is good about this. I don't know if you've ever... I like Paul because Paul is very didactic, one step, next step, next step, next step. John, he just throws out, God is love. And you're like, "Mm, my brain is broken. Could you expound on that a little bit more? Help me out some. But he just says it. He says, God is love. And the reality is, is that God existed in a a state of love before even the foundations of the world, right? We believe that God is, is Trinity. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And before we were ever around, before the earth was around, before the stars and, and the moon and anything was around, God was happily in a loving community, right? When he says that God is love, it's saying that that is an expression of his nature. God is not just loving. He's not just lovely. He is love. That defines who he is in his nature. And it says that he's the source of love here on earth. He invites you and I to abide in God. He goes on to say in verse 16, whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So what does it look like to abide in God? That's one of those words for me that's kind of like, okay, yeah, we'll, I'll abide. But you know, you don't hear middle schoolers saying, hey man, you want to go abide? Like, nobody knows what that means. You want to go hang out? You want, those words have, like, like, street value, but abide is one of those, like, religious words that we hear. And that's why I wanted to talk about stories, because what it looks like to abide is to enter into the story that God is creating. You see, you and I, we're, we're all shaped by stories. Now, some of you were given stories of, of brokenness and abandonment. You've come here... And you've got a story that's been defined by the things that have happened in your life, and it's, it's been defined apart from God's redemptive story. Some of you, you've come, and, and recently you, your story was kind of going good, and then it took a left turn, and now, now you're left figuring out, I don't know what the ending of this story is going to be, and it's, uh, this is not a good thing, right? And, and what, what John is saying is, God is inviting you to abide. He's saying, I have a story for you. Whatever your story is coming up to this point, I have a story for you that not only can you take, see and listen to and be captivated by, but you can enter into and become an actor in. God is saying, I have done something in redemption through the personal work of Jesus Christ. I've expressed my love for for sinful people by sending my perfect, holy, righteous son to die for people who didn't even want him to show you how much I love you. And, it, and it's that love, that story of love that I want to bring you into. So John invites you tonight to leave your story, to take part in God's story. And so he says, whoever abides in love, whoever, whoever lets this gospel story define and dictate who you are, abides in God and abides in him. Now, here's the the exciting thing about about God's story, about abiding in God. You see, when when the reality of God's love 
when that drops in your heart, when it becomes more than just a fact that you learned in Sunday school or something you read, um, thank you. Something that you read uh, in a book, when it becomes a reality, you become fearless. That's why he says um, in verse, sorry, verse 18, perfect love casts out fear. Right? When you realize that your greatest issue, your greatest problem is the fact that you are a sinner before a holy God, that there is wrath ready for you, that he is not pleased by your life, that he has a destination for you that doesn't involve harps or angels or clouds, right? you realize that your biggest problem is your relationship with God. And when when you look at the redemptive story that God is inviting you into and saying, come here, I've made a way for you, then what else is there? I, under, I, I get it. I mean, I'm on stage talking to strangers, trying to tell them how to live life. And that is horrifying at times. And yet, I know that God has me. And you go into situations on Monday, on Tuesday, where you have to face people that you don't want to face, situations that you were never, you had never signed up for, marriages that you thought would go this way and they went that way. And, and it's fearful. But, but when you get a hold of God's love, all of a sudden, you are standing on a foundation of fear, fearlessness that allows you to live and act in a radical way. Um, my kids, they like to sing songs, uh, many of which they learn in Kid Builders. Kid Builders is our children's ministry. I'll put a plug in for that. It's totally awesome. You'll love it. I dare you. Um, and I'll spare you my singing, but, but this is one of the songs I learned. Uh, and the lyrics go, my God is so big, so strong and so, someone started singing it. <laughs> so big. Okay, anyways. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do, right? Let's say it together. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That is what you believe when the love of God hits your heart, right? When you sense God loves me so much, that he took my hateful, hating heart and still chose to die for me long before I was on, on earth, he had had a plan in place, then you realize that that kind of love cannot be defeated by anything. God is saying here, I'm bigger than your fears and I love you. And some of you need to hear that. Some of you, you know, your fears are here and your God is here. And, and that's not, a, that's not a, a point of criticism. Life is not easy. I get it. But God is beckoning you and encouraging you and gently calling you to have a right view of him and a right view of your fears. He's saying, no, 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 my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my, my God cannot do. Right? I hope that, that you're getting kind of a taste of the radical story your life could have if you abide in the source of love. Some of you, you've come here and, and you struggle with bitterness. You just, you, you've, you've been shaped 
Maybe that was the, the, the way of handling uh, conflict in your household as a child, and, and it's the way that you've been given it. It was your inheritance. I'm not saying it's your inheritance now, but I want you to consider in this moment how freely Christ has forgiven those who were his enemies. That's not to shame you. It's to say, look what Christ has done and what he wants to empower you to do, right? Do you struggle with forgiveness? Consider how, how ready God is and was to forgive you. You know, you, maybe you've gotten in a fight, maybe not, probably not, because you guys are awesome, but I've gotten in a couple of fights with, um, with my wife because I'm not awesome, and, and you get to this point sometimes where you're like, I'm going to forgive, but I don't want to, right? And you're, it's kind of like a, you know, you're putting your, your, your foot, your, your toe in the pool of forgiveness, like, eh, we'll see how this goes. I might have to take that forgiveness back, but I'll try, Right? That's not how God operates, right? He is, as we saw with the prodigal son, if you don't know the story, two sons, one father, one son's like, no thanks, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to live here anymore, give me my inheritance. He runs off, he spends it on things he shouldn't have spent it on, and he ruins his life. And he figures it out, and he's like, dad will help me. He may not love me anymore, but he'll help me. And so he runs back, and it says that the, the father ran to him which means that the father was waiting for him and the father knew that he was there. God's forgiveness is not begrudging. God's forgiveness is not tentative. God's forgiveness is quick. It's powerful. It's full. Right? And when you begin to see these things, when you begin to think about this, when you look at the way that God operates and you see the source of love at work, all of a sudden, it, beca- it begins, hopefully, to melt your heart. The, the bitterness begins to, to, to fall away. The, the unforgiveness begins to, to break off. And this is what he wants for us, right? We're talking about empowering ourselves for living a, a holy life, and sometimes we're like, yes, I want to prophesy like Pastor Danelle and Pastor Jim, and I want to preach and, and plant churches like Pastor Brett, and, and I want to be totally awesome and good-looking like all the other pastors. And, and we think about spirituality like that, right? But sometimes God just wants us to get down to the nitty-gritty of loving people well, right? So, consider God's love in these areas you struggle. If you struggle to love, look at how he's loved. If your story is characterized by bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, I invite, I invite you to enter into God's story. I'm almost done. God is love. He says it in verse 8 and repeats it in verse 16 and invites you into this redemptive story that extends from the foundations of the world into eternity. And you will know you have entered into that story when you find yourself loving others. Um... When I met my wife, I didn't know that she loved me immediately. I wasn't sure. It's not like, it's not like she loved me and I didn't know. I just didn't know. Maybe she does. Maybe she, does. Maybe she thinks I'm interesting. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Um, but I did know she was attractive and I liked her. And I, I did know that I wanted to find out if I loved her. So I called her a lot. Um, we were, that sounds... Yeah, anyways, I was, I was a nerd in college. I'm still a nerd. And I was fixing computers, and I saw her, 
And she came to like the, you know, geek squad area and she was like, I've got a computer that needs fixing. I was like, I would love to be the person to help you. <laughs> and, and I seriously was like, back off, you guys. I, I got this one. She did not care about getting her computer fixed. She kind of did it. It was obligatory. But I was a faithful employee, so I called her often to try and schedule an appointment to get it fixed. <laughs> and so she had so many notes from her roommate. That weird guy, Eddie, keeps calling. And... Uh, and uh, so that's a strategy. Um, <laughs> it was my only strategy. Now, we've been married for 12 years, so it worked out, mostly, right? 12 years in June. July, sorry. She didn't hear that. She did hear that. And I, and I love my wife, right? She's awesome. And I know that she loves me. I, I, she doesn't just like me. She has seen me at my lowest points, my failures, my sin, my selfishness, and she has loved me with a radical, sacrificial, fearless love. You see, God is inviting you to be connected to the most powerful love in existence. He's inviting you to become an actor in a story whose drama is, it eclipses every story, right? Nicholas Sparks has nothing on this, right? And when you're caught up in God's story of forgiveness, of radical, sacrificial, fearless love, you, your life cannot help but reflect it. When you're connected to the source and, and definition of love, you, your life has to be transformed by it. So John says in verse 21, whoever loves God must also love his brother. God is inviting us to love him and to express that love that he first loved us with by loving others. And this is not just like giving hugs on Sunday to people that we don't ever see, but this is, this is getting down into the, I love you even though it's hard to love you. I love you, wayward child, even though you're saying I don't like you. I love you, spouse, even though you've expressed hate and hurt. I love you, parent, even though you've, you've done a terrible job as a parent or you've done a great job and I'm just in it. God is inviting us to love in hard ways, in hard situations, in hard places, and to really express a kind of love that the world doesn't see. You know, it's crazy when, when Jesus talks about how they will know his disciples, I would say they will know his disciples by how smart and well-educated they are and how, how uh, precise their theology is. That's what I'd like to hear. Or, or maybe, you know, uh, they will know my disciples by how many people are in the crowd. They will know who my disciples are by all of these. He says they will, love, they will know who my disciples are by their love for one another because this kind of love doesn't exist apart from being connected to the God who will empower you to do that. So God invites us into the story. Tonight he invites you to freshly experience his love and share it. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight and, and you just don't feel it. Like you're like, you know, you're, you're singing, you know, I receive it. And you're like, I don't know what I'm receiving, but... Okay, I believe it, sort of. Tonight, God wants to touch your heart. He wants you to, to feel this love.
And some of you, he wants you to be in, involved in this story so that you might not just experience it personally, but you, but you might express it to others. You know, whatever, whatever your story has defined you as, has dictated to you, God is saying, in Christ I love you, in Christ I've made a way for you, and I want you to experience that love, and I want you to express that love. Let's pray. Father God, we want to receive your love. Holy Spirit, we, we invite you to freshly fall. Lord, one of, the, one of the primary purposes for which you sent your Holy Spirit was so that we might know in an experiential way the love of God, the love of the Father, the adoptive fathering love that we might experience in the depths of our heart the reality that is illustrated and presented in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If that's you, I encourage you, we're going to have a moment of, of, uh, of ministry. Come down to the altar. We'll pray for you. We want you to experience it tonight so that you might walk away knowing that you know that you know that God loves you. And Lord God, there are those of us who have been defined and shaped by stories of brokenness, of sin, of bitterness. And Lord God, I pray that you would help us to enter into this story of love, this redemptive story, so that we might be shaped into who you want us to be and we might express the love that you've, you've poured out on us. We pray these names in the name of, name of Jesus Christ. Amen.